1: Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. A jam-packed show with some great content and information for you. we got some encouraging news today, by the way, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Good to be with you today. Once again, my name is Walker Wildman. And uh, out of the book of Proverbs is where our verse is for the week, or our verses is for the... Our verses are for the week. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Uh, that's out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Hey, our, our resource of the week is an excellent one, and pretty much they're all excellent each week. But nonetheless, um, this one's from Frank Turk. Uh, All of these are produced by the American Family Association, but we brought in an expert in apologetics, Frank Turek, to talk about how he doesn't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh, Pretty interesting subject line there, but uh, this is a DVD set uh, by our own Frank Turek where he presents how um, Christianity is more rational than unbelief. Uh, He also goes through the three arguments for a theistic God, And why the New Testament accounts of Jesus are reliable uh, from an objective standpoint. So there you go. That's uh, Frank Turek's DVD set on our Resource Center. Resources.afa.net is that URL. Resources.afr. I'm I'm sorry. Resources.afa.net. I'm trying to go too fast here. Um, One quick note I want to mention that Bobby, my producer, and I were talking about this morning is. Uh, When I mentioned to um, the audience here, my listeners, about uh, getting a link or more information about the show, um, the the only place you're going to be able to find uh, links that we post about news stories that we talk about is on our website, AFR.net. That's where we're able to post um, not only the show, the podcast, but we can also post uh, additional information, supplemental information about the show on our website, AFR.net. You click on the AFA at the Core podcast page, and then you can find all my shows there listed, and any uh, supplemental information that we provide will be on that page. But if you go out here to the app or you go out here to these different podcast stores, um, all you're going to get is the audio. All you're going to get is an image of the show, the subject line, and the audio. You're not going to get supplemental information like you do on our website. So anytime I mention that uh, Bobby is going to post a link, uh, that's on our website at AFR.net. Under the show page, uh, the AFA at the core show page uh, on our website, afr.net. Hey, next segment, we're going to have on Steve Tiber with us, president of Eight Days of Hope, president and co founder of Eight Days of Hope, about their relief efforts across the country, uh, not just in response to Hurricane Ida, but a couple other places where they're currently deployed. Uh, We'll have on our ministry partner, Eight Days of Hope, and their president, Steve Tiber, next segment to talk about what they're doing for the kingdom a good news story i told you we had it out of la county yes a good news story out of la county you know the uh all the all the kings and queens across the country that were doing all these edicts in the name of COVID 19 and public health um it was infuriating they were shutting down churches they were shutting down businesses it was absolutely absurd well one church that stood in the gap, they stood up and had some courage, they had a little bit of a backbone, is Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. Well, L.A. County um, Board of Supervisors, they kept fining this church. It's John MacArthur's church, Pastor John MacArthur's church. They kept fining Grace Community Church simply because they were gathering. They weren't doing anything illegal, unconstitutional. Uh, anything absurd, they were gathering. They were having having church service on Sunday morning, and for that, they were fined. Well, because Pastor John MacArthur and his church went to bat, they went to fight, they took up um, their sword, their spiritual sword, they have won a lawsuit in Los Angeles County, and the L.A. County Board of Supervisors is going to pay Grace Community Church $400,000 to cover their attorneys' fees. Boom. Boom is exactly <laughs> right, Bobby. Um, this is awesome. But see, if if Grace Community Church had not fought, they would have lost from the get-go. If you don't fight, you definitely won't win. That's Amen. a lesson Amen. we can Amen. learn here. If you don't fight, you can't win for sure. That's a that's a, a quick way to de- to defeat is to not fight. And Grace Community Church, they fought. They hired attorneys. They forked up the money. And they fought for their constitutional right to gather, to worship uh, freely. And for that, they won uh, not just a spiritual battle, uh, but they won uh, the legal battle here on this earth uh, with uh, L.A. County Board of Supervisors paying um, Grace Community Church up to $400,000. You know, I, I would use that money, turn it around, and use it to expand your services. You know, they probably got plenty of square footage, but... You know, I'd use that money for something just to take one more jab at the state, uh, the communist state of L.A. County, good Far Grace Community Church. And, and um, that's a, a very good news item out of L.A. County. That's the reason we got to fight. And that's what AFA is here to do and help uh, encourage those around the country, believers, uh, to stand up and have a little bit of courage. Uh, another good news item is out of the state of Texas. This was, this was a shocker. Um, a shocker that uh, it kind of called us all by surprise but Texas passed a heartbeat bill a couple months ago and it's been tied up in litigation recently and it it got appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court but guess what the Supreme Court didn't weigh in they had until midnight last night to weigh in on this heartbeat bill in in, uh, in Texas and they didn't weigh in the Supreme Court Uh, silence, didn't weigh in, didn't have anything to say, didn't come down one way or the other. And so what happens? The heartbeat bill in Texas goes into effect. It is currently in effect as state law in the state of Texas. What does that mean? If a heartbeat is detected, you cannot kill that baby. If you detect a heartbeat, you cannot kill that baby. And about two minutes before we came in the studio, I had Bobby add a last minute clip if you want to know what a baby's heartbeat sounds like at about, I don't know, five to six weeks, let's listen to clip seven. That's a baby? Sure is. That baby doing great. Well, there you have it. That is a baby's heartbeat. You're hearing there you know, that thumping sound. Uh that's the heartbeat, and then you heard the mother and the doctor in the background chatting. Um, about the baby's heartbeat, but that's a baby at six weeks. That's a baby at six weeks. And, um, you, know, you know, we talk about media, media bias and slant, and you're asking yourself, how is Walker going to tie this into this story? Well, I printed off a story from the Texas Tribune about what's going on in Texas, about the heartbeat bill, now the heartbeat law, which is going to save about 150 innocent babies a day. That's important. That's huge. This is this is awesome. Awesome news out of Texas. Well, I printed off this Texas Tribune story to bring into the show, and I got three paragraphs in, and I thought, man, these, these guys are political hacks. Uh, these guys are uh, ideologically driven that are writing this news article. And here's why. Listen to this. I'm just going to read the first three paragraphs, and you pick out um, what is so slanted about this news story. One of the nation's most restrictive abortion bills, which bans abortions as early as six weeks into pregnancy, took effect at midnight after the U.S. Supreme Court did not take action on an emergency appeal by Texas abortion providers. The law prohibits abortions whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers defined as a fetal quote-unquote heartbeat. Though medical and legal experts, this is the, the writers of this news story, this is their language. Though medical and legal experts say this term is misleading because embryos don't possess a heartbeat at that developmental stage. Providers and abortion rights advocacy groups say this would affect at least 85 percent of abortions taking place in the state. Many people don't know they are pregnant within the first six weeks. But the second paragraph, last sentence, is what stood out to me ultrasound, uh, the law prohibits abortions whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers defined as a fetal, quote unquote, heartbeat. That's them. Though medical and legal experts say this term is misleading because embryos don't possess a heartbeat at that developmental stage. Well, you know what? This uh, Texas Tribune writer, which I don't even know his name, is anti-science. This is anti-science. And this is a lie. This is misleading. No, this isn't misleading. This is a lie. Uh, this is factually not true, and this guy knows that. I mean, we're not—that's that that's what we've got to understand about the folks who oppose us is these guys are smart. These people are smart. They know what they're doing. They're not dummies. They don't have their head in the sand. They've got their hand, head up, and they know exactly what they're doing. He c- tries to claim—this writer of this Texas Tribune art- article tries to claim that, uh, that it's up to dispute about the heartbeat beginning at five to six weeks. It's not up for dispute. You want to know why it's not up for dispute? Because I'm having a baby during February, and I went to the doctor at like five to six weeks, maybe a little bit, maybe seven weeks, and I could hear my son's heartbeat. I could hear Isaac Gregory's heartbeat, which is my son who will be here in February, who will be born in February. I could hear his heartbeat after like five or six weeks at the doctor's office, and it's amazing. And you go to the Mayo Clinic's website, and you go through the fetal development, stages, which I've done this before, but you get over to five weeks, and here's what happens at five weeks. One of the things amongst many, your baby's heart and primitive circulatory system will form in the middle layer of cells, the mesoderm, and so that's the baby's heart is developing if it's not already fully developed to where it can beat at uh, week five. And so that's what you're hearing in that audio I just played is a baby's heartbeat at six weeks, um, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, so, yes, life begins at conception. You get a heartbeat at about week five or six, which is absolutely awesome uh, news out of the state of Texas. And this could, this could be a trigger effect. Uh, this could trigger other states. Some of them already had this law on the books. It just got tied up in litigation. Uh, this could trigger all those states uh, to reactivate or whatever kind of legal process you got to go through to get these laws back active, uh, these heartbeat laws. So uh, that's what we should be trying to do over the next few weeks is getting these other states on board with what's going on in Texas and now across the country. Uh, jumping into a few other stories that I want to mention, <clears throat> um, this uh, lieutenant colonel, uh, U.S. Marine, who spoke out, against his um, command um, and and really criticize those in leadership I'm gonna read his post um, this is pretty uh, pretty heart-wrenching and, and humbling so uh, lieutenant colonel Stuart Scheller put out a video about a two-minute video a calling for accountability on what happened in Afghanistan all he's asking is for accountability and 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 he, of course he broke some procedure by putting out a public statement on on on, on the internet uh, without authorization from his leaders. So he has since had to resign his post, and uh, he put out a Facebook post earlier. Um, says that saying that he's probably going to be court-martialed and could be put in jail for speaking up against uh, uh, his military leadership. Um, but at the last uh paragraph, the last two paragraphs is what stood out to me, and I'll read it real quick. He says, young officers don't join to become yes-men. Young aspirational politicians don't join to compromise their values. It's the system. The system forces us to give small pieces of ourselves so that we can continue playing. We willingly give up these pieces, believing it will lead to a place within the system where we eventually influence real change. The problem is that over time, Those small pieces add up to significant moral, spiritual, mental, and physical changes. The system changes people, and they don't even realize it. That's what he had to say about just the overall U.S. government uh, political and economic system in Washington, D.C., how really in the long run, It ends up changing so many people that go in with good aspirations, good values, a good heart, and the system just eats away at them and ends up changing them and making people that we don't even recognize in leadership. But that's the system we're up against, folks. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes with our good friend, Steve Tiber.
2: Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain, I wouldn't miss it for the world.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Raising Got the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
4: As the new school year approaches, there's a common concern for parents everywhere, learning loss. It's natural to look at the last 18 months as a tremendous loss for our kids' education. But dwelling in this feeling of lost time can be an unproductive and even a harmful way of thinking. There's a term used by educators to describe this sort of thinking. It's called deficit mindset. Rather than focusing on the potential of a child or a lesson, we can fall into the trap of focusing on the problems holding us back. The opposite approach is the growth approach, which offers a more abundant, optimistic way of thinking, a John 10:10 mindset, if you will. Partner with your daughter in making growth the goal of this school year.
3: We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at
5: RaisingGodlyGirls.com
0: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
5: Fall out the mighty sound of praise. They'll say my God is still the same. When may break his promise, we made his kindness fail. Never has, never will, my God is still the same.
1: Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. That was Our God is Still the Same from Sanctus Real. Our God is Still the Same. Some excellent lyrics there, some excellent worship lyrics uh, there in our Worship Wednesday song. Our God is Still the Same is the name of that song. Hey, on the line with us, we have our good friend Steve Tiber, president of Eight Days of Hope. Hey, Steve, welcome to AFA at the Court. hey steve you there hey steve no, this is steve hey steve we got you man you're on the air <laughs> hey alright we're having some some technical issues there we'll get steve on uh, we'll get steve back on here in a minute um, but we can hear him there in the background hey steve are you there
2: yeah this is steve I can barely hear you though
1: okay all right, we'll we'll uh, hey Steve, we'll call you on your on your cell. Just okay, sounds good. On. All right, thanks, Steve. All right, well we'll have Steve Tiber on here in about a minute or two. We'll we'll call his cell. Um, just having a little bit of technical difficulty there. Um, but Steve Tiber and his group, Eight Days of Hope, they're on the ground not only or they will be on the ground not in only in Louisiana, uh, right outside of New Orleans, but they're doing some work in Waverly, Tennessee. We saw the tra- tragic flooding there. Um, So we'll we'll talk about uh, with him about what what he's doing there. Hey, a couple are back to really what I was reading before I went into the break is this this uh, Afghanistan story. And the um, I came across a Wall Street Journal article about an interpreter, an Afghan interpreter who uh, actually helped rescue then uh, 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 Senator uh, Biden in um, in Afghanistan when uh, back in 2008 so this could have been okay so then okay so the uh, 2008 would have been uh, Joe Biden would have been a senator uh, heading into a president a vice presidency with uh, Barack Obama but here's reading directly from this Wall Street Journal article about this Afghan interpreter uh, here's here's the story here 13 years ago Afghan interpreter Muhammad helped rescue then-Senator Joe Biden and two other senators stranded in a remote Afghanistan valley after their helicopter was forced to land in a snowstorm, now Mohammed is asking President Biden to save him. He went on uh, to say, Hello, Mr. President, save me and my family. Um, Mohammed, who asked not to use his full name while in hiding in Afghanistan, told the Wall Street Journal, as the last Americans flew out of Kabul on Monday, Don't forget me here, he went on to say. Muhammad and his four children are hiding from the Taliban after his year-long, years-long attempt to get out of Afghanistan got tangled in the bureaucracy. Um, so this is this is a, a powerful but sad story of a Afghan interpreter who worked for years with our forces on the front lines with our special forces, and even went on a mission, um, uh, out of Bagram Air Base with U.S. Uh, private contractors and Army soldiers to get uh, U.S. Senator Joe Biden out of a bind in a valley, in a snowstorm. They drove hours across Afghanistan uh, to, to save uh, then-Senator Joe Biden, who was stuck in Afghanistan with other senators, and, and he's left in Afghanistan. So when you hear the narrative that nobody's left in Afghanistan, everybody who could get out is out, or who everybody who wanted out is out, uh, that's simply not true. Uh, we have Steve back on the line with us. Hey, Steve, welcome back to AFA hey. at the Core.
2: Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are you?
1: Good, man. Hey, glad to have you on. Um, tell, us, tell our listeners, many of our listeners are very familiar with your ministry, with Eight Days of Hope, with your founding. You and your father went down to Katrina, went down to New Orleans for Katrina. Are you? I think you went to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how you guys started Eight Days of Hope about 16 years ago and, and where you are now.
2: Yeah, thank you Walker for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, sixteen years ago, um, Katrina hit the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and of course affected many states and many cities and my dad and I thought it'd be cool to maybe get a couple of buddies and go help somebody out and you know, that was our plan and, and we were hoping to help out just somebody with a roof or maybe, you know, help rebuild something for somebody at no charge and and I remember walking in and meeting with your dad, Tim, at the time and saying, hey, can you play one free air ad in Tupelo? Because maybe we can get 20 or 30 people. And next thing you know, we've got 684 people going with us. And in those eight days in December of 2005, I had a chance to rebuild about 84 homes, uh, blessing 84 families and just bringing hope to so many families who felt like, you know, they had nowhere to turn. Well, that was 16 years ago. Here we are, 70. 155 families later, you know, 55 million dollars of work. This is our 57th disaster responded to. That's Hurricane Ida. Uh, while we're in Waverly, Tennessee, still helping the flood of victims up in Waverly, and uh, it's been a whirlwind. We've got God's blessed us with 181 volunteer leaders. They're amazing, simply mm-hmm. amazing, from all over the country. And you know, as we're in Tennessee today, we're setting up down in. In Louisiana to start the process of helping families after the hurricane
1: Steve uh, I just gotta ask because I'm I I like working I like staying busy I like being up (laughs) early in the morning but but seriously let me ask how do you and your team not manage to just get physically mentally and emotionally exhausted because what you do Steve is not like a month out of 12 months what you do as a ministry is 12 months out of the year respond to disasters how do you avoid burnout
2: you know yeah that's a great question some days if you ask my wife she probably says i do okay other days like today when you're got seven balls in there and you're trying to juggle the phone and trying to respond to your leaders as we set up you know the day setting up and announcing is always the hardest and and you know just two weeks ago we were in iowa uh, helping out families in cedar rapids from the, the windstorm a year ago Things always happen quickly. You know, disasters just don't come from eight to five Monday to Friday. So there's got to be some, some flexibility. But I'll say this, Walker. You know, I don't touch all the things. Our, our senior leadership team. We don't touch all the things we touched five years ago. So mm. you know, God continues to send gifted people. To eight days of hope. You know, we have 42,000 volunteers who've traveled with us. We've never charged a volunteer a penny to come serve with us. We provide a safe place to sleep. We feed them. And right now, it's about raising up additional leaders. And so. Is it quite busy today and yesterday? Absolutely. Uh, does it get a lot easier in about another day for for some of us? Uh, the answer is yes, there as well.
1: Yeah, and that's that's important because the the body of Christ comes together here, and you got people with all kind of backgrounds, all kind of talents. Um, and as you've as you've said multiple times, and I would agree, you know, we may you and I may not can hang drywall and and, and do some of the more tedious hands on things, but y- you guys have volunteers that come in. Um, and these guys are experts in their field as far as like flooring <laughs> and, and hanging sheetrock and framing. Yeah. I mean, t- tell us a little bit about all the backgrounds uh, of people yeah. that come in.
2: You know, out of the 42,000 volunteers, I'd say roughly half are skilled professionals, handy men, handy women, people that know how to paint professionally, they know how to do plumbing. And then the other half are kind of like, you know, maybe me and the rest of my family, where maybe we're a little good at this or a little good at that, but. You know, we just work together, and we've got some amazing leaders. You know, we have a process that works. You know, we, this, in the next six weeks, I mean, we'll be leading a couple thousand people in Louisiana to help families after the hurricane. I mean, that's a marathon. It's, you know, you just don't set up to go in for a day or two. We're, you know, we're going to be there for a while. So we really need all hands on deck. One last thing, too, Walker, I think this is really cool. Out of our 181 leaders, they represent 11 different denominations, all Christian. But maybe denominations that don't agree on every little thing, mm. um, maybe some medium-sized things, but they agree that God's called us to love and serve the brokenhearted. And so I love that the body of Christ comes together, and you know we're just a conduit for those who want to serve.
1: Yeah. And this is what I want to encourage my listeners to do, is volunteer and donate, uh, because Eight Days of Hope needs both of those things. Uh, Steve, you guys have—y'all have got the infrastructure, both the— uh, physical and the and the technological infrastructure in place. Y'all know how to plan, how to organize, how to have assignments, and how to get. You're going to get plenty of requests for help. Uh, but what you guys need is volunteers, and you need money to help fund a lot of these projects. Um, so where yeah. can where can folks go to do that? Uh, to do both of those things.
2: And thank you, Walker. That is it. I always tell people pray, volunteer, donate. Everyone can pray. It starts with prayer. But we do need volunteers. We're going to be there at least the the September 25th. Probably will extend that to the middle of October. All the information is on our website at 8daysofhope.com. They can go to the website, just click on the Frequently Asked Questions, the FAQs. Right now we're in Waverly, Tennessee, so click the button that says Louisiana, and you'll get all the information. And as far as the donation goes, this is interesting, Walker. We have 14 national partners, including American Family Radio, and they make yearly donations to the ministry. So all of our fixed costs are covered. That means if somebody donates for Hurricane Ida, 100% of the dollars, I mean, every penny is going to go to Louisiana to help people in need. So uh, 100% pass-through, and uh, a lot of that due to people like American Family Radio organizations like AFR, AFA across the country.
1: Awesome. Awesome, Steve. Hey, we're going to have you on in in a couple of weeks as you get closer to Ida, but what's, do you have dates yet, or are you still working on that?
2: Oh, no, we're there. We're, I there. mean, our equipment leaders are there. I'll be down there Friday morning. Uh, I think by tomorrow we'll have about 20 of our leaders already there. Volunteers will start showing up on Friday. Okay. Uh, we're going to set up in Mandeville just across the uh, the lake for the first week, and then we're going to move down to Kenner next week. Uh, but, again, this is going to be a, a multiple-month prog- uh, pro- pro- process for us to help all the people in need. So, again, we're, volunteers will start showing up Friday afternoon. Uh, go to the website, 8dayshope.com, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we'd love to have people come join us.
1: Awesome, Steve. Hey, God bless you. Keep up the good work. We'll have you on again in a couple of weeks and uh, and have you talk about what you guys are doing and maybe uh, even then you can still be in some need for volunteers and donations.
2: Sounds great, brother. Hey, thanks so much. And thank you, seriously, AFA, AFR, you know, Without you being one of our 14 partners, we couldn't be there in 48 hours, but uh, we're thankful for your support and your prayers. Appreciate you guys and love you and your family, brother. Thank you.
1: All right. Love you too, Steve. Have a, a good day. Thank God you, bless your work. Uh, man, Thank that's you. that's amazing. It's amazing to, to just see how God uses all kind of people. God uses all kind of people, all kind of ministries uh, to fulfill his purposes, and that's absolutely encouraging. You know, Eight Days of Hope, they've grown. They're, they've grown tremendously. Uh, they have a rapid response uh, arm of the ministry, which is how they're able to be in Louisiana days after a hurricane. They're, they're, they're on the scene within uh, sometimes 24 to 48 hours of a natural disaster so eight days of hope is already on the ground in Louisiana he said right outside of Mandeville is where they are Um, and then they were in Waverly Tennessee uh, because of that flooding that hit a couple weeks ago Um, they do projects in the Northeast he mentioned being in Iowa Uh, so they're all over the place doing doing kingdom work helping people in need and I've served uh, a little bit with eight days of hope they we had a tornado here in Tupelo Mississippi uh, back several years ago uh, but Eight Days of Hope set up shop here in Tupelo. We rebuilt houses. Um, and then last year, AFA partnered with Eight Days of Hope to feed families here in Tupelo, Mississippi. This was on the onset of the pandemic in March of 2020. Uh, people were staying at home. Nobody knew what was going on. We had didn't have any research on what this vi- virus was all about. Um, so a lot of people were staying at home. Uh, a lot of people lost their jobs as well. Um, So we partnered with Eight Days of Hope at at their national headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and fed about uh, 20,000. We delivered about 20,000 meals in the course of about two weeks, and um, that was all with the help of Eight Days of Hope. So go to their website, 8daysofhope.com, 8daysofhope.com, and uh, and Bobby, just let me know. We'll post that link as well on my podcast page at AFR.net at the AFA at the Core podcast page. At afr.net, so donate and volunteer uh, to their work. It's an absolute a God ordained and God blessed ministry there at Eight Days of Hope. So we'll have Steve back on here in a couple weeks as their work develops there in uh, Louisiana. Back to what I was talking about before we had Steve on is uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. Um, I saw the video um, at the Dover Dover Air Base. in uh at, at the dover Air Base about uh, president biden looking down at his watch and uh, the white house has not come out with any kind of alternate alternate alternative theory on what the president was doing um he was clearly checking the time on his watch according to the report and according to the video that i watched um which is absolutely i mean i don't even know what words to say how to explain this i mean the way our leaders have handled this is shameful. We have 13 uh, dead service members of the U.S. military in different branches, and it's absolutely uh, saddening to see what's going on. But the president was looking down at his watch at Dover Air Base, um, and one of the uh, fathers, the Gold Star father, Mark Smith, or Smiths, uh, he was there with his wife. His son was one of the Marines uh, that was killed in uh, Kabul Afghanistan last week Uh, this is a clip of him giving his comments about the way he felt when he saw the president looking down at his watch uh, during the service
0: mark you want to comment on the watch incident did you notice the same thing yes I did I actually leaned into my son's mother's ear and I said if he checks his watch one more time and that was only probably four times in. I couldn't look at him anymore after that, just considering especially the time and why we were there. It was, uh, I found it to be the most disrespectful thing
1: I've ever seen. Well, that's the gold star father of one of the U.S. Marines that died in Kabul, saying the president checked his watch at least four times during the procession. You know, this is this is shameful. Our leaders need to be held to account to the terrible way they've handled this entire situation. EFA at the core. We'll be back in a few minutes.
0: The gospel.
4: What I heard on the radio,
0: you guys have changed my life vital information
1: My kids and I are so
2: thankful for you and we love your news and everything that you'll give
0: out God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture We'd love to hear your story Call 877-876-8893 That's 877-876-8893 You might hear yourself on the air during our marathon October 12th, 13th and 14th
3: May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Y E S W O R D. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org.
5: This is Don Shank with today's global update from the Tide Ministry, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide in the languages people were born to speak. While the situation in Afghanistan remains dire, the Tide Ministry continues sharing the gospel through radio broadcasts in the local Dari language. We praise God for leading us to spread the Tide Ministry into Afghanistan earlier this year so that we already had our broadcast situated when the current crisis began. It can be dangerous to respond, but listeners have reached out and shown a desire to hear more about Christ. One listener wrote, Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm waiting for the special program to listen about Jesus as we continue praying for believers trapped there as well as for those who have not yet found the lord we have the assurance that god is in control and we have faith in his provision of life and hope for his people all around the world to learn how you can pray for and encourage diary speaking people whose lives have been eternally impacted by hearing the good news of christ in their own language visit thetide.org that's thetide.org afa at the core
0: podcast are available at afr.net Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
1: Welcome back to AFA at the core on American family radio network. There's a breaking story that we'll cover a little more tomorrow. I need to read a little more into it, but just to give you a little teaser. So you'll tune into my show tomorrow on AFA at the core. Um, Somehow, someway, President Biden's phone call with former um, dishonorable president of Afghanistan, uh, Ghani Ashraf Ghani, uh, they had a phone call in late July when things were quote-unquote normal um, about the situation in Afghanistan, and and Ghani projected that things are not under control, projecting that the Taliban's taking this place over. Um, So we'll talk more about that tomorrow, but that call has been leaked to the media. Uh, So we'll cover that call and what President Biden said to Ghani on that phone call in response to the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. Uh, Hey, I've got a couple uh, clips here to play, about three clips. Uh, This is out of California. You know, I played a clip yesterday of a high school teacher in California um, talking about Um, How she she, uh, pulled down the American flag it makes her feel uncomfortable and how she put up the the homosexual pride flag instead, so on and so forth. Well, this teacher, this is even more galling. Uh, This teacher got caught under a Project Veritas uh, recording, video recording, uh, talking about how his goal is to turn these people, turn these students into hardcore left-wing Marxist Antifa activists. Um, And he talks about all the ways he does it. Uh, This first clip we're going to play here is of uh, the uh, teacher saying that he posts Antifa events on the classroom calendar and that students can get extra credit for going to Antifa events there in California. Clip three, let's listen
4: where would you go to connect to some of these organizations like people that are interested or their flyers or something no, or? I, I post a calendar oh, every okay, week awesome. yeah
6: so for, they, they, for the organizations that you mentioned yeah. so they can get that's, yeah. dope. Mm-hmm. Then, that's dope.
4: and then so like they, it's and i do it for extra credit so they get points for doing it like yes. and, so that encourages them to do it because <laughs> like, i i can't just like hey here's some things going, they'll never go right yeah, yeah. um and I've, I've had like students show for like protests community events you know tabling food distribution all sorts of things so i I, since I work with PSL, PSL has connections with a bunch of other organizations um, and also like Sacramento Peace Action, which is like a very old organization that posts a calendar on their website every month of all the events that are going on. And I just put them on my whiteboard, let them know where they are. They, when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection. That's their extra credit.
1: All right. Well, there you have it. That's a, that's a, that's, this is an Antifa supporting teacher at a high school in California. Um, saying that he is he's wearing an Antifa shirt in this video and he's saying that he posts the Antifa and the Marxist events on his school calendar on the whiteboard so that not only can students go but then they can write a report afterwards of a reflection of their experience and then they get extra credit in his class they get extra credit and over this entire video he continues talking about how it's his, it's his goal to turn them into revolutionaries, to turn these students in California into revolutionaries. He's trying to indoctrinate them. Um, and this is what is so um, frustrating about our public education system is because all the Christian teachers, they're told out there, oh, no, 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 you can't talk about the Bible. Uh, you can't talk about Christianity. You can't talk about God. How dare you pray At lunch with your class, no, 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 we can't do that, (laughs) but he can do this, but he can do this. No teaching good, but yes, you can teach bad. Uh, It's totally hypocritical. And that's the whole problem with us taking God out of schools is what else is going to be left in schools? The pagan stuff? The godless stuff? Uh, The worldly stuff? Yep, absolutely. That's what's left in the schools, and there's nothing to offset um, the pure left-wing radical indoctrination that is going on across the country. This is another clip. This is clip four of this same teacher saying, yes, he's got an Antifa flag on his classroom wall.
4: During anonymous surveys at the end of the year, comment about the things that I have in my classroom. Like, I I have an Antifa flag on on my wall. Um, And a student complained about that, and and you said it made him feel uncomfortable, and I I addressed it to everyone because I didn't know who it was. And I was like, well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I I don't really know what he's telling you. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the the values that this is antithetical to.
1: Well, you see the framing there? He says he's got an Antifa flag on his wall, and it made a student feel uncomfortable, so he just told the whole class that, well, maybe you shouldn't be fascist, basically. Um, It makes you feel fascist because you're, you're, uh, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're fascist. Um, But these, these people, they're actually the ones that are fascist. You know, we get projected on all the time. This is their, this is their, um, some people call it psychological warfare. This is their game. They project on you and me what they're guilty of. Uh, Remember all the Hillary Clinton scandals between, um, You've got what happened in Haiti with the Clinton Foundation. You've got her email server in the bathroom. All these different criminal things, and what do they do? They go after Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a criminal. He's a bad guy, and they project everything they're doing, all the criminal stuff they're doing, they project it on the other people as if it's their problem and they're guilty of it, when in reality they're the ones doing the bad stuff. They're the ones doing the questionable stuff. Same thing happening here. Oh, you guys are fascists. No, you're the fascists. You're the ones who won't allow free speech. Who want to allow people to disagree, to dissent. Uh, everything's got to be top down, government controlled. Um, uh, the, the the tech companies got to be able to censor people, all in the name of 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 antifa and uh, Marxism. They're the ones that are fascist. Uh, this is the last clip I'll play play from this montage and this is the teacher the same teacher saying that every year he runs an ideological quiz and every year his students continue to trend left let's listen
4: i've met so many people in my life who when they met me thought i was like off the wall, right, and now they're all Marxists, right, you know, I and mean? I'm just like, your, your political identification changed, and I, so I have a huge political spectrum in my room on the wall, so they take an ideology quiz in, in their uniform, and I put their face, they have to give me a picture of themselves, and I put it on the wall where they are. Every year, they get further and further left. And and I've i made them pay attention to where my tack marks are because I'm like these ideologies are considered extremes, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? There is a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are are becoming further and further left.
1: Well, there you have it. He says every year he runs an ideological assessment, an ideological quiz, um, and and he ends up uh, Bobby saying that. Every year, his students trend left. They trend left every year. Uh, that really shouldn't surprise us.
6: You know, if this is the idea of <laughs> what an English teacher sounds like in California, if nothing else, between this gentleman, tongue-in-cheek, tongue in um, as well as the, the female teacher who, who was uh, on the clip yesterday, mm-hmm. they use like more times than one can count throughout this discussion and it's just poor grammar. And I know it sounds trivial, but this is, this is what's teaching our youth. Yeah. Um, and, and if you haven't uh, contemplated homeschooling, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think now might time. be a great time to get on that train. Yeah. But
1: your, your point may seem trivial, Bobby, but that it goes to the fact that these people are not focused on what they're primarily hired Absolutely. to do Absolutely. is teach English. Instead, he's worried about Antifa stuff yes. instead of teaching English.
6: Yes, that's his foremost. He's he's just there to teach, quote-unquote, English, <laughs> yeah. to pay the rent and uh, uh, what have you. Yeah, so.
1: teach our kids to be revolutionaries. <laughs> exactly. Uh, folks, we're going to have on next week uh, Homeschool Legal Defense Association President Mike Smith. Um, we're going to have him on next week uh, to talk about his his organization, the work that they're doing, um, and we're going to work over the next over the next little while over the next few months. We're going to work to continue to educate parents across the country on alternative forms of education, uh, i.e., homeschooling, private schooling, charter, co-op, across the board. Uh, we're going to continue to educate our listeners on that.
6: Yeah, Walker, that'll be Tuesday to give our listeners a heads up for that show.
1: All right, Tuesday, September seventh is the date for uh, Mike Smith. Uh, president of HSLDA to come on uh, the show and talk about uh, the work of his organization. So that'll be Tuesday of next week. I came across, well, I didn't come across, um, I came across this yesterday and I I, I, I flew past it on the show because I didn't have a whole lot more information. But now I do. Now I do have more information on the two FDA officials that resigned, um, effective later uh, in September and October. Uh, from the Food and Drug Administration, Um, this is a Blaze article that is citing a Politico article. So I'm going to read the Politico piece um, on what came out yesterday evening about these two FDA officials. So yesterday, uh, two FDA officials, Dr. Marion Grubber and um, her deputy, Philip Cross, the two of them, a combined 42-plus years of experience in the FDA, They both resigned yesterday, and here's what Politico has to say about the reasoning behind that resignation. FDA officials are scrambling to collect and analyze data that clearly demonstrates the booster's benefit, talking about the booster shot, before the administration's September 20 deadline for rolling them out to most adults. On Tuesday, two top FDA vaccine regulators resigned a decision that one former official said was rooted in anger over the agency's lack of autonomy in the booster planning so far. A current health official said the pair, Marion Grubber and Philip Cross, left over differ- differences with the FDA's top vaccine official, Peter Marks. Now the agency is facing a potential mutiny among its staff and outside vaccine advisors, several of whom feel cut out of key decisions and who view the plan to offer boosters to all adults as premature and unnecessary. That's their words, not mine. Politico spoke to 11 current and former health officials and and people familiar with the matter who described growing exasperation with the administration's disjointed process for implementing its booster plan. Those sources said there is little coordination between Federal health agencies, even as two top FDA officials, try to guide the rollout. It goes on to say the news outlet characterized, um, talking about Politico, characterized Gruber and Cross's exit as a symptom of a greater problem brewing within the FDA, even warning that a potential mutiny could be just around the corner. Um, this is this is telling, folks. Uh, these These are people who've been in the FDA for a combined 42 years. And they're resigning over this, which is a big step, resigning over this issue. And here is the issue. The issue is that that the Biden administration and other governments are going forward with this booster plan with absolutely zero scientific evidence to back it up. What do I mean by that? There haven't been any studies on what the possible effects are of a booster. Are the effects good? Are they bad? And let's just remember here. All right, let's just, let's go back to the basics. All right? A vaccine, by definition, is supposed to present or prevent infection. By definition, on the FDA and CDC website, a vaccine is supposed to produce an immune response to where your body does not fall ill with whatever the vaccine is aimed against. All right? That's the basics. That's like vaccines 101. But here we are, and these things don't work. Oh, Walker, how can you say that the vaccines don't work? That's promoting vaccine hesitancy. We're all going to be canceled. These things don't work. You read the articles, the studies, the CDC even says these shots don't work. The CDC director, yes, you can still become infected with COVID, and you can still spread it to others even with the jab. That equals doesn't work. Then you get into, well, it prevents people from going to the hospital. Well, that science is waning as well. That science is waning quickly based on the latest studies about vaccine efficacy. Now it's showing that people with the jab can go to the hospital just like people without the jab. You look at Israel. Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world. 80% of adults in Israel have the jab. What are they seeing now? 10,000 daily cases in Israel. Their government leaders are freaking out. They don't know what to do because their plan was supposed to work. Get everybody inoculated. Get everybody inoculated. And so all the people promoting this jab as the end all be all they need to come up with some kind of humility because it is not rooted in science and it is not rooted in fact. That's all I have to say about that. And we'll have a little bit more tomorrow. By the way, there is good news. Uh, This monoclonal antibody treatment that not many people are talking about is is working. A recent study showed that out of 291 high-risk patients who got this antibody treatment, zero deaths zero deaths afa at the core will be back tomorrow with more news and information
0: the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast